Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. So we begin with a question this morning. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? And maybe with it, why? Why do you trust that particular person? To trust someone, not to just say that we trust someone, but to actually trust someone implies that we believe that they are reliable, that they are who they say they are. They will do what they say they will do. To trust someone is to believe in their honesty, their integrity, their character, their capability to complete what they say they will complete. If I trust in someone, I'm believing in them. I believe I can count on them. I have confidence in who they are and in our relationship. I believe that they won't let me down. To really trust in someone is to believe that they're invested in my well-being, that they have my best interest at heart. To really trust someone, to really trust someone, is to make ourselves vulnerable, which is a scary thing to do. But to place ourselves uh, uh, uncovered, if you will, trusting without fear the other person. Trust is earned over time, often through small promises made and kept. And trust is oh so easily broken and hard to rebuild if it has been broken. If Uh, You are someone who wants me to trust them. I need to know I can count on you. For instance, I won't allow a surgeon to operate on me unless I trust their diagnosis or that they know how to perform the procedure. I'm not about to put my money in your bank unless I know that you won't lose it and you can protect it for me. I likely won't trust you to share my secrets with you unless I know that you'll keep my confidentiality. I'm unlikely to bear my soul unless I can count on you not judging me. I'm not going to buy a product unless I trust its integrity, its value. I wouldn't have married my wife Kelly if I didn't trust that she would keep her marital vows just as I have. So back to the question. Who do you trust? I mean, really, not just say that you trust. Who do you trust? Do you trust your spouse? Do you trust your family, your parents, your siblings, your children? Do you trust your professional advisors, your banker, your doctor, your attorney, your stockbroker, your pastors? Do you trust your neighbors? Do you trust your friends? Sometimes we just kind of take trust for granted. Well, of course you can trust me. Of course you should trust me. But the truth is, when someone trusts you, they're paying you an incredible compliment. 
They are saying something about what they believe in who you are, the quality of the person you are. George MacDonald once said to be trusted is a greater compliment than being loved. Hear that again. To be trusted is a greater compliment than being loved. It's quite possible to love someone and not trust them. I might love you, but know that I really can't count on you. Trust is a compliment. Now, the truth is that some of us just seem to be wired or from our life experience, some of us tend to be more trusting than others. And and it's not an either or kind of thing. It isn't like I trust or I don't trust. All of us sort of trust on a continuum. Some trust everybody, maybe a little bit on the gullible side, a little bit naive. And then some don't trust anybody. They're kind of our cynics, right? Skeptics, not sure if anybody is trustworthy. The truth is most of us fall somewhere in between. And the truth is we carry that continuum really into all of our relationships, don't we? Depends on how trusting I am. It depends on how trustworthy I think you are. All of us fall on that continuum. But the truth is, I would argue that most of us are probably more trusting than we realize, sometimes naively so. How many of us have driven on I-4 lately? Right? That's putting a lot of trust in your driving ability, in your mechanical integrity of your vehicle, on the drivers around you, and the construction workers who've been working on it. That's a lot of trust. Most of us have received the COVID vaccine and some of us boosters. That's trusting the scientists and the manufacturers and the government agencies that have told us it works and it's safe. We put a pretty high level of trust in our police and our military to keep us safe. We go to restaurants, we buy food at grocery stores, assuming the food they give us won't make us sick. We put our children, our grandchildren in the care of teachers babysitters, youth directors, children's pastors, without even knowing them sometimes, trusting that they'll keep them safe and teach them good things. The truth is, if we don't operate with a basic level of trust, it's hard to leave the house. And maybe that's where the spiritual side of trust comes in. Do we believe, do we trust in the goodness of the world? Do we trust in the goodness of God? Do we trust God? Now, chances are none of us would be here if we didn't trust God. If I asked for a show of hands, I'm willing to bet most of us would raise our hands and say, yes, of course, I trust God. But how and in what way do you trust God? How, how does your trust in God compare to your trust in the government? And our elected officials, and our friends, our family, our employers, our news sources, social media, ourselves. How how does our trust in God compare to the trust we place in our accumulated wealth, in our retirement plans, in our own physical well-being, in our own knowledge and intuition? Seems like Scripture says something about trusting not in our own knowledge and wisdom. And what do we trust God for? 
And the big things, certainly, like salvation and forgiveness and eternity. But, but what about the smaller things? What about the daily things? What about our needs? Moments ago, we all prayed together, give us this day our daily bread. Do we really believe that? Moments ago, we sang in front of the altar of God, praise God from whom all what? All blessings flow. Do we really believe that all blessings flow from God? Really? And as we're talking about trust and who we trust and what we trust, how does our trust in God, who we can't see, we can't control, we can't manipulate, compare to the things that we can touch, taste, see, sometimes control and sometimes manipulate? Psalm 27 through 8 says, some people trust in chariots, others in horses, but we praise the Lord's name. They will collapse and fall, but we will stand up straight and strong. Maybe a modern version of Psalm 20, verse 7 and 8 might say, some people trust in their investment scheme. Some people trust in their security alarm. Some people trust in anti-lock brakes. Some people trust in their Ivy League education. Some people trust in their prestige. But we praise the Lord's name. They will collapse and fall, but we will stand up straight and strong. We just sang a song. The title is We Are Called, which also happens to be the theme of our stewardship series this year. Throughout the month of October, our emphasis has been on how we are called to be stewards of the resources God has given us as we support the ministry of the church. Today, the title of my message is We Are Called to Trust in God. We are called to trust in God. And in hindsight, maybe this should have been the first message. Because I would argue this morning that stewardship, pledging a commitment of financial support to the church, ultimately is an act of trust. Unless you are just rolling in the money, unless you got stacks of money just sitting around, for most of us, giving is a sacrifice. It comes from the source that we might use to spend on other things. All of us, everyone in this room has bills to pay, debts to honor, retirements to prepare for, and unexpected emergencies to save for. All of us have daily expenses, food, clothing, medical, shelter, transportation, insurance. The holidays are almost upon us with with extra expenses for food and beverage and decor and maybe travel and gifts. All of us enjoy a little extra money for entertainment and occasional vacation, vacation rather, for stuff that we want to have. And doesn't it always seem like there's a handout somewhere, a hand saying, could you give me a little bit? Would you support? Would, would you get behind? Would you donate? Pledging ultimately, when we give philanthropically to the church, it means sacrifice for most of us. And sacrifice requires 
trust? How, how do I give part of what I think I need if I don't trust that my needs will still be provided for? There is, in the Bible, a biblical principle for giving, kind of in five points, and I'd like to share these. They're simple. One, we believe that everything that exists comes from God and thus is God's. It belongs to God. Psalm 50.10 says, every wild animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the air and all that moves in the field is mine. Everything belongs to God. Two, God loves us and God promises to provide for our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. And as we participate, as we do our work sharing in the cultivating and the taming of creation, God, through the work of our hands, provides. Three, everything we have is God's entrusted to us, on loan to us, to use and share faithfully. That's what stewardship means. Four, we are called to return the first fruits of our work as an expression of worship, gratitude, and participation in God's work, and thus trust that God has and will provide for our needs. And then finally, number five, the biblical standard for giving is the tithe. It's a biblical word. Giving the first 10% of our income. In biblical times, when people were farmers, that often meant the first 10% of the fruit of your fields or the flocks that you cared for. For us, who most of us work for a paycheck, it usually is financial. Moments ago, you heard Becky read from the book of Malachi, the Old Testament prophet, who accuses God's people for violating the sacred trust. We heard Malachi speak on behalf of God saying, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have deviated from my laws and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heavenly forces. But you say, how should we return? Should a person deceive God? Yet you deceive me. But you say, how have we deceived you? With your tithe and offerings. In worship, we usually use a version of the Bible called the Contemporary English Bible, a version rather. But the NRSV and most other translations use a bit more pointed expression. What I read to you just then, it said, how have we deceived you? Whereas the NRSV and other versions say, you are robbing me. Not deceiving me, you are robbing me. Quote the NRSV, verse 8 says, will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and your offerings. In other words, God is saying, it all belongs to me, folks. It's all my stuff, all of it. Everything is mine and I loan it to you. I trust you with it. Now return to me my portion. You get to use the rest in ways you think is faithful, but my part Give it back to me, and if you don't, 
you're robbing me. But let me add another way of looking at it. It's not just that we're robbing. It's not that we're deceiving. When we fail to live up to our role as stewards of what God has given us, we're failing to live up to God's trust in us. We're not only called to trust in God, we're called to be faithful to the many ways God trusts us. Now we could linger for a while on this whole idea of robbing the tithe from God, but rather I'd like us to focus on the second part of this passage where there is both an invitation and a challenge. Speaking through Malachi, God says, bring the whole tithe, the whole tenth part, to the storage house so there might be food in my house. Please test me in this, says the Lord of heavenly hosts. Please test me in this. See whether I do not open all the windows of heaven for you and empty out a blessing until there is Enough. Did you hear the invitation? Test me. If you're not sure I'm trustworthy, test me. See. Make a pledge. Bring your tithe. See if I don't provide all that you need. I first learned about stewardship and pledging and tithing here at First Church 30 years ago when I was the youth director. I didn't really grow up in church. I didn't grow up with a concept of stewardship. I knew churches passed the plate. I knew we passed the plate. And so when I was sitting in the pew, as the plate came, I'd put what I had in my wallet, if if I could afford it that week, into the plate. Honestly, I thought of, of, of stewardship kind of like paying my dues. No, it's not hard to realize that there's expenses around a place like this and that we all ought to do our part. And so that's kind of how I thought about it, paying my dues. But once I was on the staff, I wasn't sure whether I was supposed to pay my dues anymore. I, I mean, you pay me, am I supposed to give that money back to you? I mean, if I worked in a gym, I might get a free membership. If I worked in a restaurant, I might get a free dinner. Am I supposed to make a pledge to the church? And so one day I was sitting in my office and there was a blank pledge card sitting on my desk and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with it as a member of the staff. So I thought maybe I should go ask. So I walked down the hall to the associate pastor's office, the Reverend Dr. Bob Bouchong, and I stuck my head in. I said, hey, and I waved the pledge card. I said, hey, what, what am I supposed to do with this thing? We don't do this, right? Bob invited me into my, his office to correct me on that. He let me know that as a member of the staff, I was a leader of this church and that we lead by example. But more importantly, he taught me about tithing as a spiritual practice, as an act of trust in God. That ultimately this wasn't about whether I needed to pay my dues to First Church or not. It was about my relationship with God. That giving ultimately, stewardship ultimately, isn't about the church's operating budget, though that matters. Ultimately this is about trust. It's an act of worship 
and faith. Back then, my salary was about $20,000 a year. I went home and talked to Kelly about the conversation that I had had with Bob, and we agreed we would begin tithing. We tithed on that salary at first. Through the years of my ministry, my salary has increased, and with it, so has my pledge, because my tithe, 10%, has increased. You should know that in the coming year that you have uh, agreed and offered to pay me $87,000 in salary. It's a very generous salary, and I am very thankful for it. And so this morning, Kelly and I will be bringing a pledge to the altar of $8,700, 10% of that salary. That is our tithe. In addition, we have made a pledge to the debt retirement campaign that's over and above that. I don't share that with you for any reason other than just simply so that you know I'm never going to ask you to do something I won't do myself. That I'll never present to you what you should do unless I'm practicing it myself. Now, if I'm going to be entirely honest, tithing hasn't always been easy. That throughout our lives, there have been moments where we've had to pinch pennies. We've had to count our pennies We've had to sacrifice in ways. We've not always had everything that we've wanted. Sometimes we've had to settle for a vacation that's less than we would have preferred or fewer Christmas gifts under the tree. But we've always, always had all that we need and more. God and the church has always been faithful to us. Richard Rohr writes, the surrender of faith does not happen in one moment, but is an extended journey, a trust walk, a gradual letting go, unlearning, and handing over. No one does it on the first or even the second try. He's not talking here specifically about stewardship, but I think it applies. Learning to be a faithful steward for me has been a trust walk with God. It's been trusting that God would provide even when we weren't sure. It's been a gradual letting go, a handing over the reins to God, believing that God is as good as God claims to be. And as they say in addiction programs, it works if you work it. It works if you work it. This morning on this last day of our stewardship series, on this commitment day, I could try to guilt you to pledge, tell you that you're robbing from God, stealing from God, but that doesn't sit right with me. I could do a a presentation on the budget. I could outline the the costs and the the expenses and the income and, and kind of go over each line with you, but it's not about paying dues. I could even try to inspire you with my hopes and dreams for the future. And I have hopes and dreams for our church for the future. But I'm not even sure that's the reason. This morning, I'd like to invite you to simply trust God. As you make your pledge today, as you make your commitment for the coming year, that's my invitation to you. It's a simple one. It's a spiritual invitation Let your pledge be an act of trust. See if God will be faithful. See if God will be faithful as we are faithful. 
Now, maybe you aren't ready today to tithe. That may be too big a jump. But what can you do that would stretch you, that's that's not from your abundance, but would stretch you into a place of trust? Or maybe an even more important question this morning would be, what is God calling you to do? Let's pray. And so, God, I pray this morning that whoever we are, wherever we are in this journey of stewardship, that you would increase our trust, that you would teach us that you are trustworthy, that we can lean into you and we can count on you, that we entrust the future of our church into your hands as well as our lives and our families. We ask for your presence and your blessing in the coming moments as commitments are made. Would you make this altar holy ground to receive what we bring before you? May you honor it. May you be faithful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.